Thursday Theology, back in the seat with Nick Cleveley. What's up, Nick? Hey, not much, bro. How's it going? Nothing much. Let's do this. The jingle has played, the theology begins. Very good. All right. Now, we've got something really awesome to talk about. I mean, you, you came up with this idea, and I like it. It's yeah. uh, Firstly, it's John Gill. So any any friend of John Gill is a friend of mine. Any talk about John Gill is going to be an exciting, dis- <laughs> you know. And any uh, his, his commentaries are great. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter what theology you're coming from. I mean, he's just going to give you something. The guy was a machine, absolute badass. Um and and you want to hit it like a really cool topic as well, uh, lust and legalism. Yes, I mean I've been uh, preaching through Sermon on the Mount. We do a once a month combined Bible study in our church, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm just going through Sermon on the Mount. And I thought, you know, I don't know, I don't know about you, but this is one of those areas that, as a guy, you think you know pretty well. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't actually done a lot of research in the past because I can just preach from my own notes on this one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, totally. You know, but uh, I thought, ah, oh, let me dig into Gill and see what he's got to say. And I was just blown away by um, just the insights that he brought in, and especially the uh, sort of the, the New Testament background, the Pharisees and the first century way of thinking. Mm, and mm. Christ was engaging with something very particular at the time. Mm, yeah, totally. And he was, um, just just to add a little bit of background there, I mean, like, so for Gill, if, if you didn't catch those, I did a whole bunch of uh, episodes on Gill um, quite a while ago, but... I mean, the whole thing about him was that he, you know, he he was a Baptist and therefore he couldn't, you know, he faced a lot of the backlash of being Baptist. And though he was this genius kind of child, he had to basically, you know, study his way by kind of borrowing books from the bookseller. And eventually, like the big break came for him, not in going to school or university, but inheriting a library uh, that 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 was just copious in all all things Jewish and you know first century and you know just and just Bible background stuff and um, and he not only mastered the languages and the classics and whatnot but he really tucked into those things in such a way that it's still to date I mean I remember Spurgeon in commenting on commentaries basically uh, mocks him out for that reason he's just unequaled on that area yeah. Um, you know, and and to to this day, I mean, you'll still have you'll have things like it, you know, but it's just nothing quite the same. And and a lot of his stuff is dated in some ways, but most of it is just completely, you know, um, interesting, you know, and so different to every other commentary you're going to get. So with that in mind, just to you know, just to give a quick plug for for Gil's commentaries. There. Yeah, and, and everyone read it; they're, they're brilliant. And yeah. and of course, you know, they're free, so they're open domain. So just go exactly. get them. Yeah. Every yeah. verse of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Every verse. Anyway, all right, good. All right, so uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew five twenty-seven to 30. Mm-hmm. So let me just start off by reading that. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so uh, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin... Tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Mm. 
All right, so maybe just a few introductory comments before mm -hmm. we sort of tuck into the text. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus is not taking, when, when he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he's obviously not criticizing God. He's not criticizing the Ten Commandments. He's not right. criticizing the Mosaic Law. He's criticizing the Pharisaic interpretation of the law. Right. All right. Yep. So he's correcting wrong interpretations. And Jesus does this just generally speaking. The way I remember it is uh, three eyes. Mm -hmm. So Jesus internalizes the law, intensifies the law, and inverts the law. So mm -hmm. by internalizing the law, he doesn't only focus on the outward behavior, as many of the legalists would do, but also he goes after the heart. Mm -hmm. So not only is murder forbidden, but anger in the heart. He intensifies the law. So he goes after the seed sin as well as the full-grown uh, fruit of the sin. So he goes after lust as well as adultery. Mm -hmm. And he inverts the law by pointing us to the love that fulfills the law, pointing us to the positive fulfillment, not only the thou shalt not, the negative aspect. Mm -hmm. So all of that just by way of introduction. But uh, verse 28 is really the key verse we want to look at. Yeah. And, and That's Jesus very helpful, says, by the way. Those oh, okay. uh, three eyes. Yeah, I like them. Good. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so this is where John Gill really shed some awesome light. And mm. what he points out is that the Pharisees, as legalists, and, and, and what he does is he highlights the nature of legalism. And that's what's so helpful. Mm. He shows us that they were both too strict on the one hand. Mm -hmm. And too lenient at the same time. Now that sounds contradictory, mm -hmm. but you'll see exactly what he means. So, so firstly, they were too strict. Let me read you what John Gill says. He says, "Many and severe are the prohibitions of the Jews concerning looking upon a woman, which they aggravate as a very great sin. They say it is not lawful to look upon a beautiful woman, even though unmarried." nor upon another man's wife, even though deformed, <laughs> now upon a woman's colored garments. They forbid looking at a woman's little finger and say that he who tells, and what he means there is counts money to a woman out of his hand into hers, mm -hmm. in order that he may look upon her, even though he is possessed of the law and good works, even as Moses, he shall not escape the damnation of hell. So way over the top, super yeah. strict, burka uh, kung fu yeah. going on here. Yeah, you know, uh, and so this is one of the tendencies of legalism: is it's so overly stringent, the problem doesn't lie in my heart; it's all externalized. The problem mm -hmm. lies in the beauty that I'm beholding, so let's cover it up. I cannot even look at it. Mm -hmm. It in and of itself is terrible, um, and so the super strictness uh, kicks in on the one end. Yeah. Um, and so Jesus refutes this overly stringent view of the law in his saying in verse 28 when he says, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent mm -hmm. is sinning. Yeah. And so there he is on the one hand, shutting down the two stringent uh, aspects yeah. of the Pharisaic teaching. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the one hand. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on the other hand, they were also too lax. And this, this really surprised me. But Gil once again quotes them, um, and this is what they say. If a man thinks to do a good work, so we're looking at the internal thoughts of our hearts now. If yeah. a man thinks to do a good work mm -hmm. and is hindered and does it not, well, the Scripture reckons it to him as if he had done it. 
So on the one hand, they're saying good intentions, mm. you know, God sees those. Listen to the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. But an evil thought, the holy blessed God does not account of it as done. Mm. Interesting. Now, mm. Yeah, there's a fa- so it's total hypocrisy. Yeah. There's a famous verse in uh, Psalm 66, verse 18. We all know it well. It reads, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard. Mm. Um, here's a commentary that John Gill quotes mm-hmm. on that verse. Okay. So, you know, how, how are the Pharisees going to cope with a verse that says, God's not going to hear my prayers if I cherish iniquity in my heart? Mm-hmm. So even the Old Testament called for purity of heart. Right. Jesus is not introducing something new. He's just tapping into something that was always there. Yeah. But this is how they weaseled their way around what the law required. They said, Though I regard iniquity in my heart to do it, even in thought, yea, even against God himself, as if I had expressed it with my lips, he does not hear it. That is, he does not reckon it to me for sin, because the holy, blessed God does not account an evil thought for an action to them that are in the faith of God or of the true religion. Hmm. Wow. How absolutely hypocritical is that? Man, they did some real backflips, didn't they? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah, they had to sort of, they had to, they had to really backflip around scripture to just, I mean, you know, to ignore the messianic verses the way that they did to, you know, come up with their own version of a of a righteousness. Wow. You just, you forget that. You forget that it was actually quite obviously uh, a, a monstrosity of a of a you know, sort of um, exegetical cause that they were in. Totally. And so yeah. as Christ, we're taking on, so he's taken on the two strict aspect. And as he takes on the two lax aspect, where they say that a thought is not a sin, what does Jesus say in his teaching? Yeah. That if you have looked at her with lustful intent, you've committed, you've broken the seventh commandment. Mm. You mm. shall not commit adultery. You are guilty. Mm. God does see it as sin. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and isn't this just the, the tendency of legalism? I mean, all perfectionistic teaching has to redefine sin, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah, that's it. That's the bottom line. And that's, 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 what, line. That's, what all legal, that's what all legalism does, and that's what Christ is calling out. Yeah. If we believe that we can get to heaven by our works, then we have to lower the bar to what we can attain to. Yeah, and you have to make it look like you're not lowering the bar. So you have to make it more pedantic. Yeah. Um, but in so doing, you're actually lowering the, the basic standard, which is internal. Yeah. 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 I mean, so when Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect in 5 verse 48, he's keeping the bar where it ought to be. Yeah. <laughs> he's putting yeah. The, the perfection of the law in front of them that they can see their sinfulness and that they can see that they need a righteousness which they cannot produce themselves. Mm. A righteousness that has to come from outside of them, not from themselves. Yeah. Some people I've heard say, um, you know, unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, you, you went into the kingdom as in like, you just, you know, they, um, they, it's not that they weren't, you know, they were doing a bad thing in like with all these rules, but they just weren't keeping them well enough. <laughs> so yeah. as Christians, we need to, we need to just do a better job at the stringent, you know, sort of um, fundamentalism that the that the Pharisees were putting into place, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's um, he's saying, no, listen, 
he's not trying to invent or, or okay or give a green light to to neo-nomianism in any way. Um, yeah. but, but rather just to say there is only one way that anyone gets into the kingdom, and that's via being perfect. Amen. Uh, and only Christ can do that. And Now, uh, uh, l- let me add this. Hmm. It's true that when a Christian, with a proper understanding of the law, mm-hmm. obeys God not in this tricky Pharisaic way, their righteousness will exceed yeah, the righteousness of the Pharisees. That's good. But <laughs> yeah. that, that's not what Jesus is doing in that right. context. So it gets very, very blurred and very, very um potentially messy if if you don't get that gospel first thing going on if you don't yeah. if you don't see that ultimately this surrounds Christ and what he does for us but yeah absolutely good point i mean it's kind of reminds me of the whole without holiness no one will see the lord right um yeah. you have a similar sort of idea there in that of course uh we're not talking there about um a holiness that that uh well no one's going to rely on their own holiness you know, um, instead of Christ's holiness, but at the same time, it's going to produce a real holiness that comes from the heart and therefore does, you know, um, it, it comes closer to representing what holiness was all, always all, uh, supposed to be about anyway, uh, which which these guys have, have inverted on their heads, on its head, um, with their empty inverse legalism. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, uh, just reflecting on the, the substance of those verses... Masturbation, pornography—you mm-hmm. know, there's no room for them. It's 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 clear that those are the sins involved in those actions, and those are the sins that Christ is speaking against. Now, what's going on with the cut of your member thing? Do we have to do what Origin did? <laughs> well, let me put. Do you know that Origin did castrate himself? I, I believe he crushed his testicles with a rock. And he was supposed to be the big allegorist. That that was that's what's so weird about it. Yeah, he he regretted it later on. <laughs> <laughs> he did change his views, but whoops, what's yeah. done is done. I mean, he's like he's like the the whole reason you have allegorical interpretation. <laughs> I wonder if it came as a result of that move. You know, oh man, bummer. Maybe that's why he became allegorical. <laughs> I mean, like at the end of the day, that guy, you know, we read about Origins life I mean, he came up with some funky doctrine, but dude, I mean, he suffered for the faith and he took it seriously. So I don't know. I always feel a tad, you know, terrified to even criticize that guy. Um, Yeah. I mean, so just coming back to chopping off limbs. I mean, one of the, one of the hermeneutics we need to have in the, in the Sermon on the Mount is Christ is speaking hyperbolically. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when he says, Anything more than yes and no is from the evil one. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Um, And the reason for the hyperbole is to amplify the guilt which the uh, Jews thought they didn't have. Mm -hmm. So he was really turning turning it up for their sake. But but I think what we can say is this. If sanctification comes by chopping off limbs, Mm -hmm. why stop at the right hand? Yeah, right. <laughs> you would have said left hand, right hand, left foot, right yeah. foot. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and you know anyone who's gone through any kind of lust problem knows it's it's not going away just by pulling out the eye. Um, exactly. So yeah, the the but we do. What is it saying? What is the application? What 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 is it telling us um, to do? What I mean, I think yeah, uh, there's a couple of things that, that you could probably take for that. I mean, firstly, you you know. Um. I think it's the consuming nature of sexual sin is probably amplified. Mm-hmm. Here is something that's poisonous. Mm-hmm. Here is something that, you know, cut it off. Mm-hmm. You know, don't play with fire. Don't take fire to your breast, the book mm. of Proverbs says. 
Mm. Um, you know, the, the addictive and the destructive nature of sin and ra- radical amputation and avoidance is the best treatment. You know, mm. like Joseph running from part mm. of the run, flee sexual immorality, Paul mm. says. Mm. Um, and then I think just, just the basic point of the horror of maiming your own body communicates God's distaste for the sin. Mm. I mean, it's... Treated that seriously, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. big. It's Sorry. huge. And then maybe just one more thing to say. I mean, we've touched on it throughout, but, you know, certainly things like pornography are dealt with here. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's not just pornography. You know, it, that, that is, you really are quite at the outer limits at that point already. You know, it's of the heart. It begins, you know, everything is 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 um, is dealt with. Every, every impurity of the heart here, which I think must be said because you don't want to get into the, into a kind of sub zone of the same Pharisaic problem in that you're like, well, if I can just stay away from pornography, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be good, you know, I'm gonna be okay, I'm gonna be over the bar, and that's of course, I mean, yes, stay away from pornography, but realize that um, there is nothing that you're gonna be able to do, you know, you, you, the, the the purpose of the law is to strike you down and mm-hmm. open you up and get you to cry out, oh wretched man that I am, yep. who will be, de- who will deliver me from this body of death. And, um, and and your only answer is Paul's answer. Um, thank God it's in Christ. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, so it's got to do that. It's got to, and that's I think one of the main things. I think what I'm thinking about now is often you'll be talking to people that, you know, why do I need Jesus? Or you know, I don't really struggle with sin, and they're thinking only in terms of pornography. Like maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Um, they don't have a an, a very external lust problem at that level. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this touches everything. You just. Everything. Everyone, everyone comes under the the cross area, and um, as you said in the beginning, this is Jesus simply expositing the law as it should, as it's it's always meant uh, meant to go there, and uh, yeah. have that effect. Yeah, and I mean, just just thinking about what Jesus is addressing, you know, here are a bunch of Pharisees mm. who are showing the sinful tendency of taking the perfect law of God and wangling it, yeah, have their own way with it, and and even let's take Jesus' teaching now. Mm-hmm. Let's take him raising the bar to where it ought to be. Mm. Can our self-deceiving hearts still twist it? And here are two ways I think we can. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, I'm thinking now of um, a young couple. Not, no one in my church. I'm just thinking hypothetically. Mm-hmm. And uh, the young man is struggling with pornography. And his wife catches him looking at pornography. And what does she say to him? You have committed adultery. I uh, want yeah. a divorce. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I'm glad we're bringing that up. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so on the one hand, what, what what can our hearts do with what Jesus is actually saying? We, we, we have a tendency because of our legalism, because of our sinfulness and our self-deceivingness mm. to amplify sin in others mm. and not see it as, as much in ourselves. And so that tendency to make it bigger in others than ourselves, we can do that even with the perfect teaching of Christ mm. in this instance. Amazing. You know, and, and we need to we need to just allow it to be an arrow that Christ is driving towards our own individual hearts mm-hmm. and not arming us to 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 strike another with at this point. Yeah. <laughs> totally. let's, let's let's direct it to the proper place. Back yeah. yeah, exactly. So that that would be a legalistic abuse of, of even Christ's teachings. Here's an antinomian abuse. Mm-hmm. Well, I've already thought the thought of having sex with someone else. I might as well just go ahead and do the deed. Right. Totally. There's another lie we tell ourselves. Well, Jesus said, if I've thought it, I've done it so well, I might as well do it and get the pleasure out of it then. Mm. And so we need to remember that our hearts are deceitful. Jesus is addressing a trend of self-deceivingness. 
and um, a way in which we constantly take the perfect rule of God and try and make it serve us. Yeah. And so in every in, all the time, it's going to have to bring it back to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, what happens if someone, I mean, uh, we've talked about this a lot, but, you know, what is the difference or how, is Jesus saying that adultery is lustful thinking or hate towards your brother all is right, so, murder? So, um, I said earlier that we need the hermeneutic of understanding that Jesus is using a hyperbole. Yes. So let me, let me use another example mm-hmm. that anyone who divorces his wife commits adultery. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that comes on the heels of anyone who thinks of another woman commits adultery. So let me, let me put you in, uh, in the box, and I'll play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. So if, my, if I commit sexual immorality against my wife, mm-hmm. can she legitimately divorce me, according to the teaching of Christ in the Sermon on the Mount? Um, yeah. Sexual immorality yeah. as in adultery? Yeah. Um, well, oh, are, you, are you backing me into the adultery question? Well, basically, but I'm just using it to, I mean, to set up for another question. Uh, yes. So, 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 so exactly. Yeah. I mean, Jesus says, except on the ground of sexual immorality. Okay. Whew. All right. So, uh, so let's, just, let's, just, let's just stick with the teaching of Jesus. He says, okay. you know, you can divorce if yeah. your partner commits sexual immorality. Okay. Now, questions of grace and forgiveness aside, we're just going to go with the letter of the law for this point. Okay. Got it. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. If if I've committed sexual immorality, immorality against my wife, she mm-hmm. has the right to divorce me. Mm-hmm. Well, let's apply that word adultery. Let's make it walk on all fours. Let's take the lexical meaning from the dictionary and make it mean all that it means and bring the full legal weight to bear mm-hmm. in all of our casuistic test tendencies. And mm-hmm. let's read it now into the text we're looking at. Mm-hmm. But if I look at a woman, I've committed adultery. Have I given my wife legal grounds to divorce me? And I think at that point, we would... We, we would instinctively back away and say, oh, no, 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 that does, something doesn't fit there. Yeah. And unless you recognize that Jesus is using hyperbole, mm-hmm. you're going to come in with a flat literalism and you're going to do all sorts of damage with his wording, aren't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, totally. And so, it's, it's, so there's, what Jesus is attempting to do is he's trying to show a hard-hearted people mm-hmm. who are very good outwardly, who, have, who are experts in the law. Mm-hmm. He's trying to amplify the little sins to show that they're big sins and damning sins that they will look for a righteousness that they can't come up with. Mm-hmm. And so the hyperbolic language is pointing to sin that is real, mm-hmm. but he's not laying down case law. He's not laying down. So when it says turn the other cheek, he's not, he's not telling one country how they should treat another country when they come to invade. Right. He's not right. laying down case law. Yeah. He's amplifying the reality of the sin that we all commit. Right. So essentially, we just, we're, we've got to be sure to keep that context in mind. The context <laughs> is absolutely crucial. Um, and as soon as you rip that out, you got all sorts of funny stuff coming along. Yeah, and I think that sheds light on the adultery issue and divorce. You know? Yeah, oh, exactly. Is remarriage yeah. adultery? Well, we have to, then we have to look at the hyperbolic use of the word adultery and, and really wrestle with it. Yeah. yeah. Can, we, can we take it and use it to actually say that anyone who's in a second marriage is living in in, in constant adultery. I'm going to argue that they're not. Yeah. But that's for another discussion. Totally. And it'd be a good one. I know you've done a lot of thinking on that. It'd be good to... I know a lot of people would be interested in hearing that as well. Um, but yeah, that's good. I mean, those are some thoughts. I mean, in some ways, like really just, you know, we're talking basic gospel, not legalism. <laughs> and yes. uh, going, as you say, against uh, the antinomian slash legalism tendencies of our hearts and uh, certainly uh, of the Pharisees and uh, 
and um, those in the New Testament. And so you see that come through all throughout the hermeneutics of, of the scripture. It's important to get get your head around that. And then, of course, as you said, as you opened up saying, I mean, this is this is something we've got the notes on this um, in our own sins. And this is something we want to get right before the Lord and make sure that we understand uh, what Jesus is, is saying to us. And I think maybe just to repeat, I mean, at the end of the day, what I what I've what, what has been so helpful to me, and what I find most helpful, and most uh, people find so liberating, uh, coming from whatever maybe a fundamentalist slash legalist background, is if you if if people are struggling with, hey, what do I do if I've done this, and what do I do if I've done this, and not this, and am I at this level yet, and you know, if you just if you just exposit allow Jesus to exposit the law. Uh, and just let it crush you. I mean, you find oh. it, it just really, there's no more of that questioning anymore. Let it, the righteous smite me, it is a kindness. That's it. And 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 there's only one solution then. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not even finding the pastor so you can confess or finding the priest so you can, you know, there's only, that's not going to do anything. The only solution to any, uh, you know, anyone that's been struck by the truth of this passage at any level at all, uh, which is the point, you know, is, is that, is that they need a savior. They need one who has not sinned in any way so as yeah. to bring them a true righteousness. Amen. Man, it's it's just uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Wow. You know, it's just <laughs> so, so packed. Um, yeah. But let's uh, leave it at that for today. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it, bro. Cheers, man. Mm-hmm.